You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host as always. And you've been asking, I have delivered. We have our favourite guest in the studio, my favourite valuer, Perth's top valuer, Brendan Ptolemy, Managing Director of Heron Todd White. How you going, mate? Oh, I'm good, mate. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me back in. You like the intro? That intro is awesome. Uh, <laughs> we had our, the, the breakfast function that we both happened to be at the other morning and gave me a real rev up in that room. That was great. It's important that everyone uh, recognizes who they should be listening to when it comes to property data because as we've spoken about before, there are a number of unscrupulous spruikers out there that we try and stay away from. So Perth Property Show, as always, delivering on the best news and the most reliable updates in data. So today's topic, as you would have seen, is WA's border reopening, how we tracking. And people have been asking for a little while to get you back in, but I thought I need to give it a couple of weeks, at least a month or so before we start to get some data from you on how things are going. Otherwise, there's no point in hypothesizing. We've done it enough. So the data's in, at least on the ground from an anecdotal side with your valuers. How have things been looking the last month or so? Interesting from the COVID impact point of view, our volume of work coming through the door has decreased slightly, but April has been a really interesting month in that there was only 18 working days, uh, school holidays, Easter, all that kind of stuff interrupting people's lives. But most importantly, most relevantly, there's been the interruption of COVID. So ISOs and people actually being sick. I think us being down by probably just under 10% in terms of volume coming out through our door is is not unreasonable. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm surprised how strong the volume is coming through our door. So that volume's driven by people refinancing. It's also obviously driven by people purchasing property and the feedback in terms of prices, house prices from our, our valuers is that they are still very strong across pretty much every suburb in Perth. I see as a rule of thumb at the moment whenever I look at a property and just watch how it went on the market that when you do an automatic valuation from CoreLogic and it will say you're banding maybe the low side's 500, the middle was 550 and the high side 600, that nearly every property that's selling right now is selling at the top end of that banding, if yep. not higher. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and so we do come back to those fundamentals of supply and demand economics and we would expect that every single property on the market has more than one buyer ready to buy it and therefore there's some competition in the negotiation process and that means that the valuing, uh, the value achieved is at the higher end of that range. Is that how you're able to justify these prices that are starting to break through? We've just seen, and as I said before, I'm not a massive fan of Domain's data coming in, but Domain's reporting that we've broken through finally a new record in prices yep. in Perth, which is, look, I'm sure if Domain's reporting it, CoreLogic will report it soon as well, Real will too. We probably don't speak about it enough, but we've just hit a new record in Perth. Yeah. We said it was going to happen. It's happened. And from now on, every new price will be a record. Yeah, so we'd probably prefer that longer-term data that comes out of Rewa because it's a, it's been around for so many years, 30-odd years. But you can't deny the fact that uh, Domain are obviously taking that median house price. I think the number is $622,000 or something I saw this morning. That's not a home, but the a house. That 600 and something number they were talking about is not including units, yep. which is why you'll also see someone like Rewa reporting five. 
sixties yeah. like that because it will be the average of house and unit. Yeah, so we're broken through the six hundred mark. My recollection is that in that oh seven oh eight and the thirteen fourteen type peaks that we had median house prices closer to seven hundred odd thousand dollars. So we do have a way to go before we get back to those numbers. Uh, just remember that we were neck and neck with Sydney back then, and we've talked about that in in previous podcasts in terms of their growth versus our growth. Those things still need to be considered when we're considering a market. We had a lot of catch up to do. And I think that we're now getting back to that stage that we've caught up to where we were. And these numbers now indicate that we're going past where we've been in the longer term average of median house price in Perth. So up until now, really, it's just been catching up on what we've lost. And from now, it's going to be down to those fundamentals of how many people are coming in, how much are our wages increasing versus how many properties are on the market and being built. Yeah, Those so, are real fundamentals. Yep, and then we get back to the emotive part of this trend and people start going, right, well, I'm, am I upgrading? Am I buying? Is it the right time for me as a first home buyer to buy an established house or go and buy a block of land and build? All these decisions that people would be weighing up, in particular when we get into the kind of winter stage of our cycle, people tend to put the queue in the rack and stop driving around looking at home opens. I'd be saying to people that now's still a good time to be out there and, and being active in the market. I've, I've got no vested interest in saying that. I just think that it's still a good value proposition in terms of buying into our market at this point in time. Part of the reasons here are, number one, that we don't have the investor activity in the West Coast in comparison to what we've got on the East Coast. And certainly we think there's a lot of East Coast inquiry coming our way in the near future. Uh, so that takes out one big competitor in terms of someone that you're buying against. Availability is not fantastic, so that supply is not great. Interest rates are still able to be locked in low and we know now that they're going to go up absolutely for certain. It could happen tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people are talking that it won't be June. It could even be first Tuesday in May that the RBA move. Yep. So tomorrow we could be talking about a cash rate of 0.4, 0.5%. Yeah. Yep. But I still think that the other part that we've got here is overseas or or interstate migration in terms of people coming to take advantage of our economic conditions against their own, wherever they are located these days or at this point in time. And so, again, you're not competing with those people at this point in time. You're competing with the market that is existing here right now. So whilst the market is opening up, it still hasn't completely opened up. We're still not competing against everyone we would have been three years ago in a rising market that is heated. Yeah, I think that's starting right now. Now. Like yeah. if you talk to agents in different markets, they're, they're getting the Melbourne inquiry, they're getting the overseas inquiry. We know that has happened on the way through, but now we do have that situation. If someone in Melbourne is buying a house in Perth, they can be on a plane here tomorrow, obviously now. They also don't have to fill out a G2G pass as of last week. So that just takes an, a tiny little barrier away of, of uncertainty for them to go, you know what, interest rates are rising. I think my house price in Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane has peaked. Maybe I will take that job that's been talked about in the past. Most importantly now too, in terms of the working from home situation, my family unit, I need to be on site. My wife works in a job potentially or my husband works in a job potentially that doesn't need to be in the office every day or can work remotely from WA. So again, it opens up opportunities for lifestyle purchasing here. I know it's probably going to be drummed on a lot and it has already been. We're hearing on the news a lot talking about inflation. Inflation globally is going to be a huge factor for people's lifestyles over the next few years. I watched a really cool current affairs video from not Australia but from America recently, a segment talking about how the cost of living is driving people out of the big cities and into places like 
Texas, North Carolina. So leaving San Fran, leaving LA, leaving New York, Chicago, going to those second, third tier cities in America simply because one, they can work remotely, as you said, but two, even if they can't, their mortgages are half to live in just as nice a house in these other cities. And what happens culturally, behaviorally in places like America often is reflected a year or two later in Australia. And I'm seeing my belief is that we're going to start seeing that is not only are people going to go, oh, look, we've run out of steam here in Sydney with regards to holding values anyway, plus interest rates are going up. My mortgage is getting unsustainable. I could live the same, if not better lifestyle for half the cost in Perth. And that's only talking about my mortgage. Yep. Yeah, yeah. For me, that's going to be a driver of people leaving simply just to be able to keep their head above water on a monthly basis. Yeah. And then you add that to the fact that on average, you know, we can only talk about larger data here, but we get paid more in WA on average than the East Coast. So add to that that you're getting hopefully paid the same or more moving here. And you've got a, a mortgage that could be easily half what it is on the East Coast. And you're potentially buying in a location that's superior to the East Coast, i.e. you're getting a, as well. a lifestyle benefit. So whether that be a regional location or you know in Perth Metro. And then you, the other part of some of that lifestyle stuff is the commute to school's shorter the commute back to the office when you need to be there shorter or the commute to the airport to fly in and fly out of the the mine site is shorter uh, you get to potentially see the family a, a lot more frequently there some of those benefits that or the non-financial benefits add up on top of the financial benefits and people start moving so we, we really 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 need people to come from the east coast to start with and then we really 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 need people to come from overseas as well so the economists are telling us that we need as, as few as 30,000 more people here but as many as 60 odd thousand more people and that's and, just to fill the jobs yeah. that's not that's not to proliferate the property boom the property boom will come be, just to, because they're filling these jobs yeah it's never been more stark when we think about how our market re- reacts and how our market performs. It, for me, to me, it's never been and it, will, and it will keep being more stark as costs of living increases further. It's going to make that decision people have finally more pertinent. Before when cost of living was a lot cheaper, there was a lot more money in the economy over the last few years, you didn't need to make that decision to move from, from Sydney or Melbourne. It was, it was an affordable lifestyle. Now that it's getting unaffordable because of things like inflation and cash rate increases, they now have to actually make that decision. They look at it and go, it is a viable decision. I will move to Perth as a compromise if that's how they're looking at it because I have no other options. Before then, it was never necessary. It's never so pertinent in my head now on the psyche of people that they have a choice and that choice is generally going to be more of a superior. Not only are we cheaper, but we have upside in our market. Whereas before, we weren't really any cheaper and the other markets were performing better than us. Yeah. So why would they move here? Yeah, yeah. So the, the Sydney market's really important here because that definitively has come off. Our, our colleagues in, in our HW you guys are calling it. Are calling it. Interest rates will have a much larger effect. Them going up will have a much larger effect on house prices in Sydney more quickly just because of the size of their debt to hold that higher priced property. And that potentially gives the trigger for those people to make those financial decisions to move here. Yeah, We did some analysis on affordability index, which I presented in this breakfast we spoke about last week. And that analysis spoke about where the theoretical price ceiling is based on affordability of hitting about 60% of your income, which is really the cap around the country. We noticed that markets cap out when we spend about 60% of our income yep. on mortgages, right? So Sydney is already at 61. Yep. They cap out in uh, around the mid-60s over there historically. 
at a cash rate of one and a half percent, which obviously affects the affordability because things get more expensive with everything else staying equal. Sydney's theoretical max price is about 60 grand lower than what it is right now. Yep. And that's what we can see is that market's already pricing in that drop based on the expectations of it being a cash rate of one and a half percent the next year and a half. Yep. Perth's, ironically, given a lot of people are still there nervous about where things will be, calling that the market will bust, things like that. Yep. Perth's theoretical max price ceiling as a median house price at a 1.5% cash rate is actually above a million bucks. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right. And that's us going back to an affordability index percentage of 61%. Yep. Currently, we're at 23. Yeah. That's crazy, isn't it? And so, I'm not in any way suggesting that we will get to a million bucks, but theoretically, we can afford to pay that based on what we have paid based on our income, based on interest rates at the time in our in our last cap, which was in 2012. Yep. So in 2012, we capped out at 60% Yep. and the market fell away. We do that again, our median house price at that point theoretically could be at a million dollars. Yeah, that's amazing, well, isn't it? Well, it shows the insulation that we've got from all these fears of inflation, which a part of it is the cash rate increases, that uh, we've got a lot more space. And when you compare it to that opportunity cost of other people from Sydney and Melbourne who can see it and they go, well, we'll go to Perth. Yeah, and so are we theoretically saying with those stats, and obviously we're just talking about average numbers across a marketplace, that our debt is potentially in our marketplace is one third of what it is to the East Coast comparison. Yeah, it's about, Sydney's about two and a half times more. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you're pretty close. That's amazing. Uh, so that, that again, gives you another idea of a driver in our marketplace. Well, I think everyone yeah. can, listening today can think about their own personal circumstances. If you own a home right now and compare yourself to Bizarro, you in Sydney, multiply your current debt amount by two and a two half. And a half that's, times, what yeah. your, that's what Sydney Brendan currently has in debt. <laughs> Make, it, make you piss that, yourself, right? That's a scary number. Yeah. Um, no. So, but what that gives me confidence with is that the upgrade buyers in our marketplace with a really positive equity position. Uh, we saw this when we came out of COVID lockdown the first time, where it was June of that year, where literally the market flipped a switch, where people had built up equity and the means to go and upgrade or extend and renovate their existing home or go and buy a block of land and build a brand new house on it. It was this, even before those incentives kicked in, people were being really active decision makers there. And I'm still really confident that debt levels and therefore very good equity positions, again, provides a driver for that upgrade portion of the market. Just thinking about it in my head, I can bring you back to an actual stat here, another one, and it's not two and a half, but it's between two and two and a half times. Perth's debt to income ratio is six. Sydney's is 13. Yeah, so okay. You know, nearly 2.2, right? So that really demonstrates that differential yep. on how things are going to look for people and their hip pocket pretty soon over there. Yeah. And what we found is about 30% of inquiries and purchases in the top agents in Perth, I've spoken about this on the podcast for the last few months, is from Sydney and Melbourne. And I think a big part of that is because they're recognizing we yep. can't afford. Some of them are first home buyers yeah. from Sydney buying in Perth. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's amazing. So they're just seeing a, a price proposition and an opportunity to get into a property market. And then obviously our yields are still looking pretty good too. Uh, rental market's obviously still really strong. That's not fantastic for people in that rental market in terms of affordability and cost of living. But obviously that, that that's a lead indicator in terms of the pressure on rentals driving into the uh, the demand for what will be established dwellings. So let's segue into that rental space. The data demonstrates that we're breaking through new ground as well in rentals, or at least coming back, as you said, to where we were 
back in 2013 again with our median rental value sitting at about 450 460 a week yep that's only going to go up, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a real undersupply there in terms of properties on the market available to rent at the moment. Only uh, un- under two and a half thousand properties. So just remember that only one thousand three hundred ninety four of those are houses. The other one thousand odd are, are units, uh, and that is continuing to trend down. So the same week last year was two thousand seven hundred and fifty properties on the market. The same four weeks ago was about the same two three seven nine. So funny time of year around Easter, but the trend shows it's down by over 10% year on year. Either way, it's just, it continues to be chronically undersupplied. It's not like at any point in time we were getting a massive amount of investors coming in, converting owner rocks into rentals to help this market out. No. There is no reprieve. So, And we also need to remember that there's a stall in the market there because of the uh, slow rate of completion on, on the new housing, whether it be apartments or new single residential dwellings. That means that people that may have made places vacant essentially by moving to their new house it's not happening because they're not being completed so there's a real stall in that in the process there this leads us into one of the biggest prohibitors of people making confident decisions to move over here they're not going to move here unless they can find somewhere to live and they're certainly not going to get a rental because no rental manager is going to sign someone up from western europe anytime soon right they're going to go to that person knock on their door down five times in a row asking eventually they get one yeah coming up they're struggling to buy because they haven't got their Perth income yet. Yes, right? so exactly. So they, they can't get a loan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it makes it really hard just to actually convince people to come across because they need somewhere to live. Yep. We've got a big quarantine facility that we're doing nothing with, don't we? Yeah, well, we've got to finish building it first. I think it's, you know, like everything in the construction industry being delayed by COVID, but it potentially obviously sits there empty and is brand new once it's finished. So the government probably needs to have a look at the idea of let's use this as some sort of incentive to get people from a sector that we require. It might be healthcare workers, it might be mining type people. We will incentivize you to come and live here in WA. And that incentive is you can come and stay in our quarantine facility for X number of weeks, rent free, come and get yourself established, find somewhere to live, make sure that the job that you were promised is realized and that you take the position. I reckon there's some pretty smart people that live in Ukraine. They can come and live here. Yeah. We've got the, that massive connection to the UK where people in the UK may not have a family connection in Perth. So it gives them the opportunity to come and land here. It's a scheme that's worked in the past. You know, that back to those kind of 10 pound POM type schemes, that's where those people live when they arrived in Perth. They had facilities to go in places like Nolimba. They went and lived there for whatever amount of time whilst they found a house. And obviously, you put parameters around it. You can live here for a month or you've got to be out in X number of time or we'll start charging your rent after X number of weeks. But it's a facility there that the government can probably go out and then market to the rest of the world. Mm. Probably don't want to open it to the East Coast. You know, Those people should be smart enough to be able to jump on a plane and get themselves organized. But uh, Man, really we need people. We, yeah, we, we absolutely need people. We are desperate. Lack of people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that comes, it's not just a state base. It obviously is reflected in every single business. I'm sure if you could find four more valuers, Brendan, you'd hire them. I need between three and five valuers well, right go, now, right? Trent. That's what our stats say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's what's hamstringing all of the productivity in this state right now. It's not the amount of work or the lack of work. Yep. It's a lack of people, good people, to do the work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and every business will be doing it, whether it is a person that um, is a weight person in a, a restaurant or a cafe, right through to a, you know heads of mining industries, engineers, all those kinds mm-hmm. of people, accountants, lawyers. Every industry we know needs someone to, to help them out right now. 
Another way to solve this problem is obviously new supply, and it ain't coming anytime soon, but let's just talk theoretically about how that looks over the short to medium term. New supply comes from land developers buying rural blocks, redeveloping them into 30, 40, 50, 500 new residential blocks. And the way they do that is obviously paying civil contractors millions of dollars to put new roads and sewer and drainage in. Yep. For the first time in, I think, quite a while, there's some significant enough pressure on those input costs of doing the, the civil work that it's putting pressure on developers who are doing their FISO to sell the blocks at 500 a square meter or 900 a square meter, whatever it is in each suburb, and going, well, look, we're going to have to start raising prices on these. When you juxtapose that with, obviously, the increase in build costs as well, that replacement value of that new supply, you know, what would have maybe been 500 grand for a house and land is now 250 for the land and 300 for the house an extra 50 grand there and the reality is though there's not much on the established market for the buyers to go oh we'll just buy established so yep. they're, they're now getting forced into having to pay more for a house they haven't even got which is sort of like the car market where we see as well yeah yeah so supply pressure across anything you're trying to buy most ways around is is really severe at the minute so we're having developers tell us that they're Costs to construct the subdivision have gone up by 8 to 10% since November last year. And obviously, the, the pressure will continue. If you just purely think about the, the fuel cost of driving tractors around there to do the earthworks, there's a decent cost increase for you. Then you can couple that with the cost to construct increase, which we have talked about in the past and continues. So the su- supply side of that is, is severe both uh, in terms of people uh, and materials, obviously. Also, the pressure in terms of building sites being locked up. So things like multi-dwelling sites that are have gone through a severe hold up in in construction Timber because steel. of covid yep. and because of materials so yeah it, the supply side's really really questionable um we we need to really be putting our foot on the gas there it's difficult to see how we solve that really dramatically and quickly whether the government run out and build a whole lot of new homes on spec, they would get their money back in my opinion and they should really be considering that. who's going to build them? Yeah, yeah. And then they've got a problem of they couldn't do that unless they knew that there was a whole lot of tradies coming in from overseas or over They can't even build state housing. Yeah, yeah. My perspective is that, and this is where it's so important to hark back to this affordability cap of a million bucks that we've calculated, is that notwithstanding wherever the interest rate is at the time, this market is purely based on no other options of supply and replace replacement cost is going to continually see step changing of cost of housing over the next couple of years where yeah. if you suddenly bought in something at December this year it was 500 grand by June next year it's 550 by December the next year it's 600 not simply because not simply just because demand and supply it's a heated market it's because we just have no supply and that new supply will only be provided at that higher price because of the higher cost there is no other way around it yeah yeah and so that from a valuation point of view that talks a little bit to how our valuations on as if complete properties as in those new houses being built when we're doing the finance side of the valuation there that gets justified by the fact that there are established dwelling sales within that new subdivision and those established dwelling sales are going up as quickly or quicker than the cost of the land and the cost of construction, hence the market continue, can continue to rise. There's another factor here that might cap that and that, that's that there is a, a cap on value with the Keystart program 
yep. uh, in terms of what their customer can spend and what they can borrow. And that's currently low in relation to the increasing median house price and, and the increasing costs. And unless the government consider changing that, we will constrain supply further. And we really don't need that in this well, market. It's not only that, which is obviously a government decision because key studies chartered by the, the government, but it's also stamp duty. Yep. I mean, surely, what is going on with McGowan here? Why hasn't he lifted that stamp duty threshold from 430, which is a, an archaic number, yeah. up to at least 530, Yep. And you can only think the government's obviously been distracted by some bigger issues, but they really need to come and have a look in that property sector now to because they can influence that cost of living pressure that is coming, interest rate pressures that are coming uh, by well, making some of those policy cha- changes. Exactly. Because if, yeah, you, yeah. if you open that threshold up to the in the 500s, it means that all those properties in that space now will cost 15, 20 grand less to a buyer yeah. because they're not paying stamp duty in that range anymore. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So what it does is it stymies all this. And this is why the median house price, in my opinion, has been held low for so long because it's, it's, it's obviously the median's based on volume. Yeah. So much volume keeps getting stuck around the 400, 430 price mark simply to fit under the stamp duty because yeah. people's pressures are not affordability on a servicing basis and income basis. It's it's savings, right? Yeah, yeah. So the second you open that threshold up to 500, 550, something like that, what you'll see is one, the median house price will just swing straight up because so much more volume will come in at that price yeah, rather absolutely. than the four hundreds. Yep. But also it will allow the feasibility of a lot of these developers and just house and land package consumers to go, oh, I can afford that now because now I don't have to pay that extra 15, 20K stamp duty. Now I can buy that $550,000 package rather than that $430 package, yep. 20K is further out from the city. Yeah, absolutely. So it does open up. We know from the, the commentary around stamp duty that, that it is a barrier to activity, whether it be someone upgrading their house and moving suburbs and, and injecting some activity into the economy and therefore freeing up some supply right through to that bottom end where you, you actually look at the structure of how the tax works on those thresholds and it says, yeah, it, it makes the house prices stay down. It makes the activity stay in that, that uh, value band. Yeah. Great chat today, Brendo. Yeah, cheers, man. Thanks for having me in. We'll chat in maybe three, four months and see where that... Hopefully, we've got a bit more immigration data to talk about as well. Yeah, hopefully we've got more people coming to join us here in beautiful Perth. Mate. That's right. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!